Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. going too well. Job had it bad and all the rough. So pastor's talking about Job because we're going through something here in America. Then you're wrong. <laughs> Just a heads up. Just a heads up. Job chapter number 18. And I'm going to read this one verse of scripture. I'm trying to get there tonight. I didn't mark it here. I had a different passage marked. That was from a Wednesday night series. So I didn't have it marked. Put a little pink marker there. What we are about ready to read this. Just one verse I'm reading here. About ready to read here is one of the comforters of Job, one of the quote unquote friends of Job. They're speaking to Job. And they are kind of they're making an analogy of, of Job and his life, uh, in essence, almost to a tree. And this is the words that Bildad spoke unto Job and all of his calamity and everything that was going for everything that he was experiencing in life Job 18 and verse 16 his meaning Job's his roots Bildad says shall be dried up beneath and above shall his branch be cut off so Bildad is really kind of taking in view everything that is happening in the life of Job he can see and know everything that lost that he has suffered and he equates it all to this that basically what's happening above with the branches with everything that's going on in Job's life is really tied to something that's taking place beneath with his roots saying what's happening above is because of what's going on beneath that's what Bildad says. And so here this evening, I want, with the help of the Lord, I wish I had a, you know, there was times whenever I was a, a young lad and I went to visit my wife in Tennessee or she came to visit me, that after we left, I wish I had more time with her. That's kind of how I feel like with this sermon tonight. I wish I had more time with her. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we're going to see what the scriptures say. I want to preach to you tonight about the root of the matter. The root of the matter root of the matter. Father, I come to you this evening. I thank you, Lord Jesus, God, for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your people, God, that are here tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would speak and minister, Lord, to the hearts and souls and lives, God, of your people here this evening. God, I pray, Lord, let not my voice be heard. Let not my thoughts, Lord, be conveyed. But Lord, I pray, let the thoughts of heaven be conveyed. Let the voice of the Lord, I pray, God, mostly, God, be heard in this place. God, let something said Lord, that people would be able to resonate with. I pray, oh, Lord, God, I submit to you. God, your will, your purpose, oh, Lord Jesus, in this place. We'll give you the glory for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated tonight. The root of the matter. Tell your neighbor the root of the matter. The root of the matter. The story, as it were, of humanity has centered and has been centered around 
a tree. From the fruit that was plucked from the tree of knowledge of good and evil from the very beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane to the benefits that flowed from the old rugged tree as we call it of Calvary. Even to the hopes, Brother Gregory, of a tree of life that's setting by a crystal river that someday will be given to them, as the book of Revelation says, to them that overcome. Life of humanity, of mankind, centers, it would seem, around a tree. There are a few similarities and relationships of interdependence that is found among humans and trees. Both humans and trees are both mostly made up of water in their composition. Both humans and trees are each unique in their own regard, meaning that not all oak trees are identically the same, but they each have nuances and some subtle characteristic differences even among the category of being oaks or maples or whatever the tree may be. Likewise for us, whether you are Caucasian or Chinese or whatever your race may be, uh, people, human beings vary even within their ethnic and race groupings. We are all unique in our own regard. Scientists have pointed out that, that the, how even the branching of the structure of our lungs in our body pictorially even looks similar to the branch system or even root system of trees in that they've remarked about the respiration that both our lungs and that trees participate in in life the interconnection then between humans and trees are seen at this point that uh, we breathe in as humanity we breathe in oxygen and of course we breathe out carbon dioxide but it is trees that take in carbon dioxide and they release oxygen. So there, there's interconnection between man and a tree. There's this ebb and flow between humans and trees. A correlation, you might call it. A connection, as it would appear. This linkage is so prominent that there are times even in the Bible that a person is likened to a tree. In the book of Judges, there is a parabolic saying or a story that is told in a parable type of way. It's told of a group of people that are choosing uh, and anointing a king that is to reign over them in Judges chapter number 9. And these people that are choosing a king or anointing a king, they are, they are pictured as a grouping of trees that's calling for a king among them. And as they try each king before them... It it is described as a different tree. They, they ask the olive tree to be king over them and they ask the fig tree to be king over them and the vine or the bramble, so on and so forth. And so there's this picture even in Scripture, amen, that, that many times depicts a person likened unto a tree. The psalmist even said that the blessed man or the godly man in Psalms 1 shall be like a tree. That's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. The psalmist said later that the righteous shall flourish like a 
palm tree and shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon and perhaps even in the New Testament scripture the blind man wasn't that far off when his statement about what he saw after he was prayed for the first time was made I see men as trees Bildad picks up on the same association uh, between trees and men as he begins to diagnose Job's calamity and he begins to diagnose Job's problem. These words that I read to you in the, in the 18th chapter of Job were words that Bildad spoke to Job directly. He's describing Job as a tree. He's describing the branches and he's describing the roots. Amen. He's speaking to Bill, he's speaking to Job and he is depicting Job as a man with both roots and branches and he's making a correlation that there is a correlation between Job's roots and his branches. Bildad thought that he had Job's circumstances figured out. He thought he knew why that there was the loss of his wife or the loss of his children, both male and female. He thought he had a pretty good handle on why that he lost his livestock and his health and everything that he faced, and so he addresses it. Bildad believed what everyone else was witnessing in the life of Job was really just the result of something that they didn't know about Job until now. Until it arose to the surface. Bildad was under the impression that the loss of Job's children and sheep and camels and oxen and asses stemmed from a root problem that Job had in his own personal life. His branches were being cut off as he describes it because Job's roots had been dried up. But we know according to scripture, don't we? of Job chapter number 1 that whenever Satan came among the others before the Lord that day the Lord had clearly told a man Satan that Job as a man was perfect Job as a man was upright Job had fear or respect to God he eschewed evil or he ran away and turned away from evil and so if that is the, the characterization of this man from God amen if that is the characterization then the branches to such a man that is upright the branches to such a man that is perfect and respectable of God amen is the ones that we read when we hear that Job early in the morning would rise up and he would take sacrifices and bring them burnt offerings unto the Lord according to the number of his children preadventure the Bible says if they had sinned maybe or perhaps had they cursed God Job would arise and would do this thing Bildad says everything that's happening to Job is because he has a dried root problem but God said he's a, a upright man he's a perfect man and I would attribute if you will branches to that type of root is a man that will rise before morning and offer up sacrifices for his children. Pre-adventure they had done something wrong. The reality to the roots of Job I believe is seen when he did lose everything. 
When everything was stripped from his life, when everything did go to shambles, his response was this. The Bible tells us clearly, yes, he rent his clothes because he's in agony. He's in sorrow. He's in grief. Yes, he put things upon his head. And the Bible says he defiled his horn in the ash and the dust of the ground. But it also says that Job fell down on the ground and he worshiped the Lord and he blessed the name of the Lord. The Bible says he sinned not and he charged not God because those type of things, Job's reaction to what happened in his life, those type of things are the true witness of Job's life. The Bible says in the New Testament, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Job's life was not defined by the number of sheep he had or did not have. Job's true life was not defined about the children that were living or dead. His life was not defined by the oxen and by the camels. His life and can I tell you our lives life is not about what we possess or don't possess have or don't have but the sum total of life isn't even about what you had or what's been taken from you Bildad's trying to make it about everything that happened to him. Trying to make the very root of his life. Amen. About everything that you have a dry root, Job. And that's the reason all of this has come about. That's the reason why it seems like everything is withering around you. But can I tell somebody tonight, life is about how you respond when the fruit is plucked from the tree. Life is about how you respond whenever the branch is pruned back a few feet. Honey, in our natural world, if you go up to a fruit tree and you pluck something from it, if you pluck fruit from it, what does the tree do? Does it stop bearing? That tree doesn't stop bearing. Its livelihood is not diminished. Its liveliness is not diminished because you have plucked something from it. It's going to keep on bearing. If you go out, and I've done it many times, but if you go out and you purge a branch or you prune back a branch, that does not, if you will, cause the tree to stumble. Amen. For that matter, when it comes to fruit trees, the Bible even says that it will bring forth more fruit if you prune it back. I'm amazed, Sister Margaret. Amen. She's not in here right now, but I'm amazed every year as out there in our landscaping and those roses are, are blooming and budding and some of them, the petals start to fade and get frail and they need to be plucked off there and I'll go out there for a bag and I'll begin to pluck the dead heads off the roses and I'll trim them back amen to where there's five leaves whatever vine comes to where there's five leaves I'll trim them back that far and it'll just take a little day or maybe two days and I come back and that rose bush is so beautiful there's buds here and there that's opening out on the left and on the right they're more fuller than it was the day before they're more beautiful than they were the day before Amen. Although I took a prune to them, although I cut them, although I plucked the dead head off them, they're more beautiful. Amen. And it's not, oh, come on, somebody. It's because their liveliness isn't about what happens to them, but it's about their root system. It's about, someone say amen. Life's not about what happens to you, but how you respond to what happens. Bildad, speaking to Job, said, I read from the Living Bible the same verse. He shall die from the roots up. 
all his branches will be lopped off. I read it from the New King James Version. His roots are dried out below. This is Bildad's opinion now. His surmising of the matter, his roots are dried out below. And his branch withers above. Bildad thought, what I'm seeing right now is a result of perhaps some bad roots. And listen to me. Now, although Bildad may have misapplied this thinking and misapplied this phrase to Job, the truth of the principle and the truth of the statement is still valid. The truth of the statement is this. There is a connection between the roots and the branches. There is a correlation, amen, between what happens underneath the surface to what happens above the, the surface. There is, if you will, an impact, might I say a direct impact about what you see happening above the ground compared to what is happening underneath the ground. The unseen has a bearing on the scene. It's described in the New King James Version as the roots have already dried out, meaning that past tense, it's already happened, while the branch withers, present tense. In other words, the root has dried, and so the branch withers. It's in the practice of withering away because the roots affect the branch and not the other way around. Did someone hear what I just said? The root affects the branch and not the other way around. That's the reason why I can prune the rose. And a few days from now, she's going to blossom that much more. Because it's not what I do in my trimming that's affecting her. It's the root that's in the ground that is a... Someone say hallelujah. Someone say Hallelujah. Uh, the Bible says, uh, even in our holy word of Romans 11 and 16, there's a phrase there in that verse that plainly says that if the root be holy, so are the branches. You know what the scripture is saying? The holiness of the branches derived from the holiness of the root. Amen. The characterization, the condition of the branch, uh, amen, is derived from the root. If you have a good root, you're going to have a good branch. If you have a prosperous root, you're going to have a proper, a prosperous branch branch. It doesn't talk about the environment, amen, of the surroundings, the wind, the storm, the rain that the branch is in. No, it's just making a correlation between the root and the branch. Can someone say amen? In our real life, there are many benefits provided by the branches and the leaves of trees. Within the branches and the leaves of trees, we have beneficial things such as photosynthesis, we have carbon dioxide being reduced as a result of them. We have oxygen that's being generated as a result of them. They have a nice aesthetic appeal. I like having a, tr a tree in my yard that has good leaves on it. I got flowering trees in my yard, so in the spring it's beautiful. So there's an aesthetic appeal, amen, that happens. There is shade for outside activity. If you have some next or close at least enough to a building that it's canopy provides shade for a building, or maybe some of you have homes with it, it allows your home to be cooler in the summer. Someone say amen. But none of that would be possible. I know this may be elementary. None of that may be beneficial if it wasn't for a stable root system that the tree has. Mostly unseen, but there nonetheless. 
mostly unaccounted for by the human eye, but still yet there. The Bible says, amen, in Romans 1 and verse 20, speaking of the seen and the unseen, visible and invisible, the Bible says, for the invisible things of him, speaking of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that ye they are without excuse. He says there are some invisible, there is an invisible one at play, speaking of God, amen, but even in the natural world, there are tangible, amen, seen things that give testimony to the unseen. In other words, there are some branches that give, if you will, testimony to a root. He said there are some things that are seen that give understanding to the condition of what bears it. Amen. There are some things above ground, amen, that give evidence to things that are below ground. He said even his eternal power and the Godhead. What are you saying? I'm saying the eternal power of God that in many regards someone would say these aspects of God would be unseen it would be the root under the ground. He says the eternal power of God is seen and understood, amen, by the things that we can touch and feel in our real life. The eternal, just one way that I would submit to you tonight, that the eternal power of God is seen. Is you just go all over to any coast here in the United States and there is going to be sand along that shore that meets water along that shore. And he used of all things sand, perhaps some of the smallest little agents, if you will, in the world as a boundary for a body of water with thousands upon millions of gallons of water. The Bible says, Psalms 104 and 9, thou hast set a bound that they, they what the waters may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. Honey, whenever I see that, I see the eternal power of God. It's manifest in a branch, but its root is invisible. Its root is unseen. Its root, I can't put a hand on but I can't put my hand where water meets sand and understand the eternal power of someone say amen yeah I see the Godhead uh-huh. I see the Godhead it's seen in my own life <laughs> because impressed upon me being a part of this fabric of humanity is the very essence of God is imprinted upon my life because I was made in his image and after his likeness. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit. Everybody say spirit. And so, everyone say so. And body, everybody say body. Be preserved, blameless, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Honey, when he made me, after his image and his likeness, there is an imprint of him upon my life, seen through my spirit and my soul and my body. God, who was spirit that had not flesh and blood, though no man could see or had seen, could see the manifestation of him in Adam, in humanity. Because the Godhead being, if you will, the summation of Father, 
Son and spirit manifestations or relationships of God. The man seen imprinted in the life of man is the Godhead that Romans 1 even spoke of that would have been invisible but was made visible to humanity because the son aspect of my God is seen in my body because it was the son that only was represented in one man Christ Jesus in the form of flesh. The Holy Ghost aspect of my God is seen hallelujah in me of relating to the spirit that I have and the father aspect of my God relates to the soul that man has because it was only when God breathed into that first man that he became a living soul I understand the Godhead because of what's in my own life but perhaps the most invisible Godhead revealed could be made no more plainer than in the man Christ Jesus because Colossians 2 and 9 says for in him Jesus Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily there was a branch that was tethered to a root there was a branch that had a connection to the unseen there was a visible that was connected to the invisible someone say amen and we beheld his glory. What we beheld was directly tied to the unseen in so much that Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you've seen me, you see what mortal man's never saw. When you've seen me, Manifested in the flesh, here is God. Manifested when you see me, when you see the branch, you have a characterization of the root because there is correlation and interdependence of these things. Someone say, Amen. Someone say, Amen. So the invisible impacts the visible. The unseen has bearing upon the seen. As a matter of fact, scientists say, and I'm not a forestry, you know, expert, but they say that half of a tree is really in its root system. In other words, above the surface, you're only getting half of what's really there. The spidering forth of the branches above, they're spidering forth of roots below. Half of the tree is in the root system. Roots are good for the plant. Roots are good for the tree. It is the root system that brings up the water and the nutrients from the soil to the tree. Roots are not only good, listen to me now, roots are not only good for the tree, but roots are good for the soil. They hold the soil in place during storms. They hold the soil in place when the rainwater comes and would have otherwise washed it away with erosion. And you see that in many areas where there is no plant or vegetation because there is no root structure to keep the soil. The soil's beneficial to the plant, but it's only beneficial if there's a root system to bring what's in the soil to the plant. But just as that root system brings what's in the soil to the plant, it keeps the soil intact so further days from now, it still has something to bring up from the soil. 
Someone say amen. So it's important to the plant or the tree, and it's important to the soil. Roots are, if you will, this is elementary, this is all right. Roots are the stability of the tree. They typically extend, from my understanding, a little research this afternoon. They typically extend, and the, 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 the range is vast, from two to seven times the width of the canopy of the tree. In other words, if you have a canopy of a tree from edge to edge that's 15 feet, the root system will expand anywhere from 2 to 7 times 15 in the directions. It is the stability, Sister Roxanne, of the tree. They say this, listen to me clearly, any root loss, any root loss is problematic for the tree. I know how we are. I know how I am. I have a tree that's kicking up my sidewalk that's going to make me aggravated and so you even have it and you know you can't walk some of our streets especially over there by the basin's house don't go walking over there you'll be on your face or running at least roots underneath that sidewalk it's pushing it up and as a human being that just doesn't care for that because it don't look nice to the eye I'd want to go out there and just kind of chop and dig up that part of the root so it wouldn't disturb my precious little sidewalk anymore. But they say that you should leave the root well enough alone because if you start tampering with the root, you've tampered with the tree. That if you injure a section of the root, it may be overall injurious unto the tree. They even say, Bishop, and I know I did this a thousand times as a kid. We had trees in our yard. You all been ever close to a tree and its root doesn't stay underground, but it kind of crops up and you see it here and you see it there. And you're doing your lawnmower. Sometimes, you know, it's just not set up high enough. You want your grass a certain length, but that tree root is sticking up further than what you want your grass. And as a result, I've skinned a few roots. I've skinned a few. I've taken the bark off a few roots. They say, honey, you should not skin. You should not cut the roots of a tree that's poking through the ground. He said, if you want to cure that, you just mulch around all that. You mulch around there as far out the roots come because you don't need to do that. It's best that you leave it alone because if you have any root injury or loss, it's going to impact the tree. Now we know why they fail, Mom. <laughs> it's those years of Paul Robert mowing the lawn. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. So Bildad is saying, Job, all this stuff that's happened, all this stuff that's happened above the surface, what's happened to you, this is because your roots dried up. This is because your root is in ill repair. It's because your root has been injured. Job, you've not been a maintainer of the root, and so some things have fell by the wayside. Some things have gone by the wayside. And that is Bildad's assumption and assessment of Job in his life and what is going on. But I want you to turn. I ain't going to hold you real long. I want you to turn, though, to Job chapter number 19. Because Bildad had his say. Bildad had all of his verbiage of where Job was, what Job did right, what Job did wrong. Amen. Analyzing, if you will, everything that was going on in Job's life from his perspective and point of view. But whenever Bildad finally took a breath, Job says, I'd like to respond. 
When Bildad finally took a breath, Job says, you know what? I got something to say concerning the matter also. And toward the end of chapter number 19 of Job, Job begins to talk about his God. And Job began to talk about even his own persecution that it seems like he has suffered from. He talks about how these things have laid heavy upon his life at this point of time. He talks about how they were graven with an iron tool as it would seem upon his life he even goes a step further though in all of the calamity that was happening to him he says it really doesn't matter amen what happens to me regardless of what happens to me Job boasts with a loud voice my redeemer lives and there's something that Bildad or that Job wanted Bildad to know we read of it in chapter verse number 28 this is what Job says to Bildad he says but ye should say why persecuteth we him Bildad you should be saying why are we persecuting Job seeing the root of the matter is found in him Job wants Bildad to know Bildad you shouldn't be persecuting me you should be asking yourself, why am I persecuting Job? You should be considering, hey man, what you're doing to me, Bildad, and why you are doing that to me. To me. Job says, because the root of the matter is found in me. That's here in our English Bibles. But the way that that phrase is translated in more than a hundred manuscripts, Brother Mason, is this. Not that the root of the matter is found in me, but the root of the matter is found in him. Hold on. Wait a minute. In other words, Bildad, why are you speaking what you're speaking? Because of the things that are happening to me. If you're going to judge my branch again, folks, don't judge it by what's happening to me, but how I'm responding to what's happening. He said the root of the matter isn't a dry root. The root of the matter isn't a root that's in ill repair. The root of the matter is not, if you will, something that is insufficient. He said the root of the matter, amen, is him. And as long as the root is is him. He said the branch amen that seen is going to flourish. As long as the root of the matter is him hallelujah. That which is above the surface is a telltale sign of what's under the surface. I know bad things are happening to me but that doesn't change the fact that he's the root of the matter. It's not changed my response. I still fall down. I still worship. I still bless the name of the Lord. I sin not. I charge not. times the root of the matter is intact I don't care what's happening to us I don't care what's happening around the society the root of the matter it's in him and as long as the root is good the branch is going to be fine as long as the root is solid the stability of the branch is going to be oh yeah there are the voices that's trying to be a bildad right now all their opinions all their opinions some are saying you know well this is affecting everybody this is even affecting the church this is affecting even good Christians and you know what it is and it might affect some of us before it's all said and done but what happens to us does not describe a branch 
If that's the case, every storm that came, then we would say, oh, bad root system for those trees over there. Look at the storm that's assailing them. The root's not determined by what's happening to the tree. Again, the root is determined by what the branch, how it responds to the clipping, how it responds to the plucking. How... So I'm asking us here at the First Apostolic Church, how are we going to respond? Are we going to give testament to the root that we are tethered to, that we are tied to? The root of the matter is him. It's not Paul McGee. It's not the First Apostolic Church. The root of the matter is the Lord. Can someone say amen? He's always been the root of the matter. That's the reason why in the book of Revelation, he said, listen here, Jesus Christ was speaking. He said, I am both the root and the offspring of David. How in the world, Lord, could you be the root and the offspring because I'm the God that brought a David into the womb of his mother amen and he exited there but through the genealogy as a man Christ Jesus I'm the offspring when you look at Matthew and trace the genealogy but I want you to know I was there before I arrived as a man the branch is okay because the root is intact someone say yes uh let me tell you what we need in these troublesome times. We need to keep our connection with the root. Furthermore, listen to me. This might go again. Where are my gloves next service? We also need to keep our connection with each other. Now watch me. Trees, you'll see most of the time, trees grow in groups, okay? If there's a tree by itself, it's probably put there by man. Trees grow in groups. Whenever you have a group of trees, take notice of this in real nature and life. I wish my good friend, Brother Reinhardt, was here. He could talk to us for the next two hours on trees. He's writing a book on trees and their association and spirituality. Thing. Oh, it's just crazy. The guy's running over with information out of his head. I just tried to catch a drip every once in a while. Trees that grow in a group, on the outer edge, the perimeter, if you will, of the tree grouping, those trees are most likely the ones that are going to fall. And many times they grow shorter than all the other trees in the group. Because, not do just roots just go down, not as just a tap root, but there are lateral roots, those roots that expand out or horizontally. And so a tree that is on the edge, not surrounded by other trees, but on the edge, its roots going lateral in one direction toward the only trees, that's the only place that they're tethered. All the roots that go out when they're on the edge and there's nothing there, they're not tied to anything. A tree that's in the middle of trees all around, its roots that are going out laterally, it's connecting with that tree, that tree, that tree, that tree, that tree. And so when the bad storm comes... And it leans. It's not just pulling with its roots in the soil. Its roots are tethered intertwined with the one next to it. But those on the edge, they're only half secured by the others. You know what we need in these times? We need to stay connected to the root, which is in him. But we also need to stay connected to one another. Because the storm might get bad before it's all said and done. But, Brother Fred, I want you next to me that as I lean, your root kind of helps pull on and hold on. 
Honey, if there's ever time we need unification and unity in the church, it's today. If there's ever time we need to be able to lean on each other's shoulders and bear one another's burdens and cry when you cry and rejoice when you rejoice, we need it right now. And I don't know the whole purpose of everything, but if it makes one root grab a hold of another one during this time, then God be the glory. Because the only way we're going to stand in this day is if we stand together, as we stand as a group. No man is an island to himself. No person can be a lone ranger, if you will, on the horizon. we got to do this thing together. It's a glorious church made up many members. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Root of the matter is in him. If you'll stand with me tonight, it's in him. Scripture is consistent over and over. Hosea said, if their root was dried up, they shall bear no fruit. Mark said concerning the seed that went on the soil that because there was no root, it withered away. Meaning then, the dependency of the branches is upon the roots. And Job tells Bill Dad, you got it wrong, buddy. My root is in him. It's in him. I can say it like this. Joe could be saying, Bill, Dad, every tree is caught in a storm sometime. Every tree is going to experience the rain sometime and the wind heavy against its bark sometime. That's saying nothing about the root. That's just circumstantial things of life. But how I responded... Worshiping, kneeling down, crying out to God. He said, that's a testament to the root. That's a branch that has responded right to the purging and the plucking, if you will, of the fruit. Because my root is in him. If we bow our heads all across this place tonight, we need to exit this building with even other things that have unfolded today about changes in the way of life and society. We need to leave this building with a settled resolve that our root is in the Lord. Our root is in Him. Hallelujah. The nutrients is going to be all right. The water supplying the branch is going to be all right because it comes from the root. The stability of the tree is going to be okay because it's founded in the root. All of the soil, hallelujah, it's going to be kept intact because that is one of the job descriptions the responsibilities of the root. On all other ground is sinking sand. But in Christ, the solid rock, I'm going to stand. You've either built up on the sand or you've built up on the rock. The wind blew, the floods came to both dwellings. But the house, our little story, and it's biblical, but our little story from years ago, the house that was upon the rock stood firm. Same storm, same wind, same rains. But that which was tethered to the root, that root being him, stood firm. The root of the matter is in him. Ha ha. The root of the matter is in him.
That's how Brother Gregory, in troublesome times, I've got peace. In woeful times, I'm saying I'll follow the mandates and I'll be a, I'll be a respectful of the laws that are brought forth during this time. <laughs> but I got hope in the Lord. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. David said, what wait I for, Lord? My hope is in thee. You know what he's saying? You're the root of the matter, God. You're the root of the matter, God. Folks, if you have cares, if you have worries, if you're being anxious and over all this stuff, I'm asking you tonight, cast that care upon the Lord this evening. Cast that care, cast that anxiety, cast that worry, that fretfulness, the wringing of the hands, the wondering what's going to, cast that upon the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. We've been blood-bought. We've been born again in the water of the Spirit. Does that mean nothing's going to happen to us? No, that's not what it means, but that means when it does, we've been tethered to the root, and the root of the matter is Him. These altars are open if anybody would like to find a place to pray tonight. Oh, there's, there's some unseen things that the eye cannot even see. There, there are some invisible things that will be made known. But let me tell you, it's only half of what's going on above here. There's another half that can't even be seen. There's only half of what we can see going on right now. There's another half that can't even be seen. It's the invisible. It's the spiritual. It's those things that, hallelujah, pertain to the things of God. Amen. To the things of another world, perhaps. Hallelujah. I want to be tethered to the root. I want to be tethered to Him. Yes, 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 Lord. My hope's in You. My faith is in You. My confidence is in you. My stability is in you. It's not about what happens to me. It's about how I respond when it happens that determines, hallelujah, what root system I have for myself. What root system I have for my life. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.